Tasha, uh, they're all gone today. And so you're going to get a lot of me this morning. <laughs> I'm going to take care of the announcements and uh, anything else. I've, I've solved already a few problems, uh, technical problems this morning that normally I don't worry about. And uh, so, but we're here and I think everything's okay right now as far as I can tell. So, but I'm grateful for the team we have and I'm also grateful that they have a... Uh, I hear music. <laughs> I hear music. Do you? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm grateful that they have a few days to get away, and uh, they, they've been working hard, and I'm just grateful for the team. So, um, We have a connection card in the seat pocket in front of you, and if you're here for the first time, we're grateful that you're here, and if you would take a moment to fill that card in, it's a way we have of making some sort of a connection with you, which is really important to us. And you can drop it in the offering basket that comes by later in the service. Uh, there's also a place on the back of that card to fill in uh, prayer needs or to indicate a spiritual uh, response that you may make as a result of your being with us here today. And, uh, but we're just grateful that you've come to spend this time with us. Uh, if you're here for the first time, just as a way of saying thank you, uh, if you fill that card out, we'll be able to send you a, uh, a Starbucks card just as a, a gift saying thank you for coming to be with us this weekend. Uh, let me share quickly some upcoming things. One, this afternoon from noon till four, uh, the Lamont High School classmates of Paul Davidson III. Paul, as you know, most of you know, was the dear son of uh, Paul and Corrine, uh, who passed away about 10 weeks ago, and Paul and Corrine are, are a very faithful part of our church family, and they're certainly here this morning, and James, uh, and our hearts are with you guys as you walk through just, you know, just the recent loss, and, uh, but uh, Paul's classmates from a few years back at Lamont High School are putting on a, uh, a picnic today at the Northview Park. It's over there on McCarthy Road, uh, just not too far from over the, on top of the hill from the high school. You can't, it's on the left-hand side as you're driving, I guess it would be east, right? Okay, anyway, you'll see it over there. It goes from noon till four. Uh, there's a, it's a fundraiser as well as just a time to come together. Uh, they're seeking to, the funds will go into a scholarship that's being uh, launched at the University of Illinois where Paul was a, a very great student. And uh, so I think it's a great way to honor him. And as many of you as can drop by between noon and four, make sure you bring your own lunch with you. And uh, there's going to be some things planned f for that time. And uh, I think the weather's going to be good too, I hope. So uh, that's this afternoon from noon till four. Uh, and then uh, Hope and Friendship Ministry. Uh, this month we're collecting rice for the Lamont Food Pantry. We have bins out there in the lobby to just fill to overflowing with rice. Uh, Mission Stay is also uh, something that our church is participating in. I want to thank those from our church family that were out there yesterday from noon till four doing some repair work for some people who are just facing needs here in the community. And as many of you can, there's one more. Uh, that's this coming Saturday. Meet at the police station, eight o'clock. Work till noon, bring some rakes and all those kinds of things and some of those kinds of tools and jump in and I'll tell you what, it just makes a huge difference and it's also a, a tangible demonstration of the love of Christ for the people of our community. It speaks volumes. So if you can be a part of that, take a Saturday, jump in on that, that would be tremendous. Um, 
Baptism barbecue next Sunday. That's, that's a huge thing on the Calvary Church yearly calendar. Uh, we meet here at 10 o'clock as normal, and we have a, a somewhat of a shortened service, which includes water baptisms of all those that have recently or even not so recently become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've made that commitment to him, but you have never yet taken the step of being baptized in water. Uh, Jesus commanded that. He didn't say, I suggest it. He commanded it. Why? Well, because it's the, it's the primary way that a person who has decided to follow Christ stands up in front of their peers and their church family and the world and says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And, and it also does something to solidify that commitment inside a person's heart. There's a great blessing in taking that step. So I want to encourage you, if you have not, there's a card on the seat. Uh, you can check on there, put your name, information. We'll get in touch with you. But I want to encourage you, take that step. Now, if you can help, uh, now, right after, after the service then, we're going to go straight outside, and there's going to be uh, bounce houses for the kids, and uh, I think some sort of a water slide for everybody and kids, and uh, there's going to be games, going to be hamburgers and hot dogs. The church will supply all that stuff. All you've got to do is bring a, uh, a salad and a dessert. And we'll pull it all together, and I think we're going to have a really good time next Sunday. So, and if you're being baptized, or either way, bring friends. It's going to be a great time. It's, it's, baptism services are high celebration times for church families. And uh, so uh, we'll look forward to that. Um, sometimes people are afraid to take that step of water baptism, afraid of water maybe. I want to assure you, like I always do, <laughs> it's safe. I've never lost anybody yet in a water baptism service. So, all right been doing it for 45 years now. Okay. Um, and then we have next lunch um, on September 14th. And if we have a lot of newer people that are just starting to connect at the church. We have many that are still checking the church out, and we're, we welcome that. We're grateful for that. This is a lunch we design every so often for those that are, you know, just like that, to come and Jill and I host it, and we talk about the mission of the church, the ministries, the core beliefs, the values, Q&A. You just get a sort of an inside orientation of what the church is all about. And, uh, and it's a way to meet some other people that are just getting connected to the church, too. So, uh, and that's important to us. If you're here, we want you to feel connected, get to know some people. That's one way for it to happen. Um, so that uh, is, uh, mark that date, September 14th right after church for about 45 minutes or so. We are fast approaching the fall. There's going to be news of all the startup of the ministries coming out here very, very quickly. Um, kids, the Awana program, uh, all plans for youth for the fall, and um, adult small groups. Our adult small groups, some of them sort of take a, a low, lay low a little bit in the summertime. That's fine. But we, we get started back up, fired back up in the fall. And so uh, if you're newer at the church or if you're not newer at the church, you're not part of a small group, relationships are so important. And I can't think of a better way to form them than becoming connected to a small group. So one new small group that's going to be getting started that we're really excited about is uh, we have a group that's going to be uh, started for that, that post-high school to, through early 20s age right there. And we're grateful for a large number of people in our church that are that age. And uh, I was once that age. Uh, long time ago, but uh, 
but we have a group that's going to be uh, launched, and uh, we're really looking forward to that, so keep your ears open for that. We're going to be interviewing another person as a possible worship pastor for Calvary Church. He's going to be here this coming uh, Thursday and Friday. We're going to have lots of meetings and interaction and talking, interviewing. We've already done a lot of that uh, preliminarily and uh, things, and so we're just uh, wanting to keep you informed and also asking you to continue to pray that the Lord leads us in this process. And uh, we believe that he's going to, uh, to do that as we're faithful to pray and trust him. So I think that I've covered the, the upcoming stuff right now. And what we're going to do for the next few minutes is get into the scriptures together. Uh, so as I do that, I'm going to take my normal seated, seated position. Uh, Jill and I just uh, spent a week and a half or so out in Seattle. I promise next week I'll have some pictures for you of that new grandson. Uh, we had a great, great time uh, his name is Archer James Nichols, and he'll be carrying on the Nichols name <laughs> in the future, uh, but we're just grateful for to have a new, a new little grandson uh, add, to add to five other grandkids, and uh, uh, we enjoy being grandparents a lot, I'll tell you that, so I'll fill you in more on that. Uh, I'll have thousands of pictures next week for you, so, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, this is sort of a standalone sermon. In fact, all the sermons during August are sort of single Sunday standalone. We're, sort of, we're not in a series right now. Uh, and so this sermon is, is built around this concept this morning of being sure. Now, that's a small word that most all of us have in our vocabularies. Uh, sure. Now, there's two pronunciations of that word. There's the way that most human beings who speak English say it, with a strong U sound, sure. And then there's the way they say it down south that has nothing whatsoever to do with the way the word's spelled. Anyone from the south can share that? Okay, well, okay, I've heard it like that. Anyone else? Sure, okay. <laughs> sure, I have some cousins in Texas. I mean, that's the way they say it. And uh, I've often wondered, you know, where, where did that come from in the South? How did that, I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone knows the answer to how they talk like they do. But anyway, <laughs> we are the ones who do it right up here in the North. Uh, but whether in the North or South, the word sure means the same thing. Here's what it means. Confident in what one knows or thinks, no doubt. Safe, secure, reliable, certain. So it is a small word with a big, big, big meaning because we can only have confidence about anything in this life in proportion to how sure we are about that thing. Now, I was thinking about that while we were flying back from Seattle. Uh, what can we really be sure about in this world? And I thought... How sure am I that this plane is going to stay up here in the air for the next four hours and get us safely to Midway? You know, and as I thought about that at 36,000 feet, flying along in this little round tube, I looked out the windows, I counted the number of engines I could see, I thought, well, if one fails, we've still got a few more to go. I mean, I started thinking about this, and I have to admit that I could not say with 100% certainty that that plane would stay in the air 
to get us back to Chicago. Uh, and then I begin to ask myself, well, how many things are there in life that we can be 100% sure about? For instance, in fact, I even started thinking about putting this on a scale, a sure, unsure scale. I think I have a little version of it back here, I think. There you go. A sure, unsure scale with 10 being sure and zero being totally unsure. Now, so most everything in life fits somewhere on that scale of certainty or uncertainty. I asked myself these questions as I was flying. Uh, will the Bears have a winning season? <laughs> okay, where would you guys put that on this scale? Six? Eight? Three? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask the Packers fans here. Okay, we don't even want to know that. So, uh, will, my, will my Buick make it another year? I put that at a five. I'm going to try, though. Uh, can I be sure about the economy? Oh, man, I don't know where to put that one. Uh, will I live to see my great-grandkids? I put that at an eight. I'm pretty confident about that. What about my great-great-grandkids? Um, I, I dropped it down a few. <laughs> Can we be sure about our relationships in, in this life? That's more serious. Uh, well, we know that we live in a world where people can be betrayed. So we can't even be sure always about relationships. And can I be sure about what I'm going to face this week? Well, I have a calendar drawn up. I have some appointments scheduled, but I tell you what, I can't tell you what's coming the, down the pike this week. I'm not sure. So is there anything that is a sure thing, a number 10 level kind of thing that we really can have on this scale in this life? Well, there was a famous French philosopher. He lived in the early 1600s. His name was Rene Descartes. He really got into this question at a time in his life. And so he sat down one day and he began to think about this and he concluded that there really was nothing in the world that a human being can really be sure about. He was, he was, doubt was winning the day until, until he had this epiphany moment, this light bulb clicked on, and it, 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 he, he thought, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this. And, that, and then the light bulb clicked, and he said, well, if I'm sitting here thinking about this, then that means I'm here. <laughs> I can be certain about one thing for sure. I'm here and I'm thinking about this. And then from that he began to say, well, maybe I can increase the, the certainty I have about a few other things. But he, he started it from that point. And, every, and I, Rene really felt good about that. However, some other philosophers said to him, well, wait a minute, Rene, hold your horses here. <laughs> How do you know that you are not just part of someone else's dream. How do you know you're not part of some world spirit's dream? Now, only philosophers ask questions like that. Uh, you know, but have, any, have any of you seen the movie Inception? Ever seen that movie? Okay, this is sort of a Rene Descartes kind of movie. Inception is where a guy has a dream, some people have a dream, and then it goes down four levels. In other words, the, the, the people in the, the characters in the dream, they dream. 
and then their dream goes, it, it continues. Anyway, it's a crazy movie. It's a really good one. I would encourage you to take a look at it. But here's what I'm saying. All of this goes to show two things. Number one, we human beings really do search for something that, we can, that has put solid ground under our feet, that we can be sure about, that we can bank on. We do search for that. And secondly, it also shows that ultimately we cannot find that in ourselves or by ourselves. We can't find that on our own. We need help from the outside to ever find a level 10 kind of certainty that we can put our feet on. And Jesus was dealing with this very question in that famous parable that he gave at the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. I think Jesus put that at the end of that first sermon of his just to nail it down, to cement the fact that, yes, I've come to bring level 10 certainty to people's lives. The story, I'm not going to read it. It should be on the screen. But the story, I'll just summarize it. The story tells about two guys who each built a house, one on the rock, one on the sand. And both of them represent the foundation that a person uses to build their lives upon. He's not just talking about housing here, obviously. And Jesus also states as a given that both houses, both lives, are going to face fierce storms that are going to come against them in this life. And you know, the way Jesus describes the storm in this short story is really dramatic. Tom Skilling would have been, his adrenaline would have been pumping. He would have been drawing charts to try, the way Jesus described this storm that came against these, these lives. First of all, Jesus says, rain comes down. And the picture in my mind is torrential rainfall, 100-year rain. And then he says, the streams begin to rise. Houses begin to flood. Sump pumps couldn't keep up with it. it, it it's coming out, it's filling up the basements. And then he says, the wind didn't just blow, but the wind began to beat against those houses. And what Jesus is telling us there, he's simply substantiating everything else God's word has always said, that this world has gone astray. This world is messed up. This world is not living in the original harmony that God created there to be in his creation. This world has gone in rebellion and is, is away from God. And so it is a world of storms that hit the innocent people too, hit the people of God, hit everybody. And these storms can be fierce. They can bring sorrow. They can bring grief. They can come out of the blue, no warning system, bring pain, hurt, injustice, abuse, all of these things. And these things don't just come from nature, nature. A lot of these things come from human nature, human nature that is fallen and, and just gone away from God. So Jesus, but Jesus is saying this. Here's the point in, in, in the parable. Because the house that was built on the sand, Jesus says it fell with a great crash. But then the house on the rock, it stood. Level 10 certainty right there. Level 10. And so Christ is saying here, there's only one foundation that is a sure thing 
in both the good weather of this world and the bad weather of this world. There's only one rock. And what is that rock? Jesus said it right here in verse 24 when he started the story. He said this, he or she who hears and practices these words that I speak is like the person who builds his house, his life, upon the rock. Who is the rock? The rock is Jesus. The rock is Jesus. And Jesus says that about himself. Is that an ego trip? Does Jesus have an inflated sense of who he is? That he would say, I'm the rock. I'm a level, I can bring level 10 certainty to your life, no matter what happens in your life. No, I think the evidence is that Jesus is exactly, he knew who he was. He was in touch with who he was. He was the son of God. He was the savior. He, was, he came into our world, a world of shifting sand, a world of all kinds of philosophies and speculations, all kinds of religions. Jesus came into the world and said, if you listen to me and practice what I say, trust me, I'll give you level 10 certainty. I'm the rock. And then, of course, Jesus made all those other statements. In fact, he said this about himself hundreds of times in his ministry. Things like, I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection and the life. When he said that, he said, I'm the author of life. I'm God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to come to the Father except through me. So, what Jesus was really saying here, he was asking us to trust him. He brought trust into the picture. Trust is a really important thing. We can't have any relationship without trust. And I think it's interesting that the God who created us builds his relationship with human beings upon that very same thing. He builds it upon trust. He calls us to trust him. Trust who he said he was. Now, what, what kind of trust is Jesus talking about here? Well, there's two different kinds of trust. You know, I never learned to swim. I am not proud of that, um, but I just haven't. When I was in college, I had a couple guys who knew that, and we were at a swimming pool, and these two guys come over and grab me, and they, drew, <laughs> they drug me over into the deep end. And uh, they, thought, they had heard that theory that if you just throw somebody in, they'll swim. Well, I proved it wrong. Uh, <laughs> because when, I'll tell you what I did. My feet touched the bottom of that 10-foot part of the pool. I went down. I was now I was bound I was coming back up probably about halfway up and these two guys came in and grabbed me <laughs> pulled me out I might not be here today <laughs> if they hadn't but anyway that's a different story but I haven't learned to swim why is it it's really a trust issue I've had several people over the years explain to me all about swimming I just recently, a couple weeks ago, had a person explain it to me again. And they were saying, and I think true, especially in salt water, they, they were telling me, Jim, if you will just lay on your back in the water and just do some gentle strokes with your arms like this, kick your feet a little bit, you will not sink. You won't sink. Now, I do believe that person. I think, I, I believe that person's trustworthy. I really do. I don't think they're telling me something that isn't true. But the kind of faith that I have at this point, that kind of belief is academic. It's academic faith. It's academic trust. But when it comes to committing myself to go out to the shore and 
go into the water, lay myself down on the water, on my back, and do that? I haven't done that yet. Uh, pray for me, okay? Uh, maybe I will, but I haven't done it, and there's a good chance I won't. Uh, <laughs> it's a trust issue. So we have these two kinds of faith. We have this, I know mentally, I understand the science, I, I, yeah, I understand buoyancy and all that stuff, but I just, I haven't committed myself. And you know what? Everybody who swims and loves swimming and loves the water, you're all sitting back there saying, Pastor Jim, you're missing one of the great experiences of life. You're, you're missing the experience of the reality and the power and the properties of the water to keep you afloat. Okay. Well, there are many people who have a high respect for Jesus and academically believe that he is telling the truth. But at the same time, their trust has never gotten, has never been a trust that has come from their heart, from the depths of their soul, to the point of taking a step to commit themselves, to surrender themselves personally to Jesus Christ, to actually pray to Jesus Christ. Something like, Lord, I believe I need you in my life. I, I surrender my life to you. People have, there, there are many people who hold an intellectual belief but have never surrendered their soul, their heart to him. Uh, and so the result is they have never yet experienced the reality and the power and the properties of the presence of Jesus Christ, the reality of his presence. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote about the experiential reality that is there for those who commit themselves from their soul, from their heart, to Christ. And this is how he described it. Paul said this. In fact, he died for this. He said, I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus, the message of Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation to everybody who believes, Romans chapter 1. And Paul also spoke about wh what this commitment of faith is like later in the same letter in chapter 10. Here's what he said. He said this, If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, are forgiven, and it is with your mouth that you confess you are saved. Now, Paul is not here giving some sort of magic formula in words. If you just say these words, something magic is going to happen. That's not what Paul is saying. Here's what Paul is saying. He's referring to the decision of a person who has heard what Jesus teaches about himself and about his sacrifice of himself for our sins on the cross to give us our salvation and that person is mentally attracted to the message. You mentally have a, a grasp of what that message is about. Maybe there are still some lingering doubts. But this person chooses to take Jesus at his word deep, in a deeply personal way. And from their hearts sincerely prays to Jesus Christ to receive him into their life. 
Now, you know, I've heard many times of people who prayed to Jesus a prayer like this. Jesus, I'm not even sure you're out there. But I know that I need help in my life. I have doubts. I can't, but I can't manage my life on my own. I know that I have sinned and done wrong things in my life. And, and if you're out there, Lord, I deeply want your forgiveness. So if you're there and you hear me, I just want to tell you right now that I need you. And I ask that you will receive me and come into my life. You know what? When, God's, when, when the Lord hears a prayer like that, I think he jumps up and down in heaven. That's honesty. That's a repentant heart. And you know what? You don't, you, who's ever going to have everything figured out before they trust in Christ? There comes the moment when I think it makes sense. And I, I know I'd want that to be true. I'd want it to be true. Well, I'm going to jump in. I'm, going to, I'm just going to test it. I'm going to go for it. Because the trust that Jesus calls a person to commit to is trust in him as a person. And it's the same kind of trust that we have with other people except for one thing. Other people are visible. We can see them. Um, we can't see Jesus right now. But there were three years, actually 33 years, three years of his ministry when people did see him. And the reason he came so people could see him was to, to give a clear, tangible demonstration of who he was and what God is like, that he really is there. And when Jesus came, he left by, through his followers very, very reliable written records of what he taught and what he said. Uh, he did miracles. And he also, uh, he just came to demonstrate that God is a person. God's not some sort of blind force out there. Forces can't respond. You know, an electri- you know, uh, you know, electricity is electricity, but it's not, it's impersonal force. God, he's a person with a capital P. And so, Whenever you have a friendship with someone, it's reciprocal, right? Each of you respond to one another. That's how you get to know each other. Same thing when a person trusts Christ. It's not some sort of blind stab in the air, thin air. That's not what faith is in Christ. Now, there are some religions which are that. That's the kind of faith they are. I'm just going to believe this whether it makes any sense or not. I'm going to believe this. I don't care. I don't know know if it's true or not. Christianity is not like that. Christianity is faith in a person who promises to respond to you personally in your life at the deepest of levels. And that's where level 10 assurance, level 10 certainty can come into a person's life through trusting Jesus Christ, entering into that reciprocal life-living relationship and response with the God of the universe. So if you're at a place this morning where you are ready to trust the Lord at this level, I'll tell you what, He is ready for you. Now, if you still struggle with some doubts, He's still ready to receive you. 
even as you come to him with your doubts and your questions. You might have why questions. Why is there pain and suffering in this world? You might have questions, science and faith questions. Well, I don't understand Genesis chapter 1 and faith and science. I don't understand all that. Well, what about uh, questions about the Bible? You may, you may have all kinds of questions about meaning and purpose in life. You know, it is a very, very, very weak and anemic faith that is afraid of questions. That's not a very, that's not a very level 10 faith. Well, the faith that Jesus Christ offers, a level 10 faith, there's great answers for all these questions. You may not know them all today, but there's a search in your life. And, 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 and I'll tell you what, if Jesus Christ is who he said he was, then there's nobody who would be of greater help in answering, finding answers to those questions than having him in your life to guide you. So come with your doubts, and the Lord will receive you. He'll help you find some answers. Now, let me, let me continue on that a moment more. If you're here this morning, and the nature of your questions, well, is there any religion that's true? I don't know. I, I'm in the dark on that. Jesus respects your honest search. But he also says that the stakes are very, very high in the outcome of your search. The stakes are really high. Because Jesus said over and over uh, that it is only through faith in him that any human being can enter into life, eternal life, that begins now and extends throughout all of eternity. There's no other way to know the Father, to come to God, except through Jesus Christ. So coming to a place of trust and faith in Him, the stakes are extremely, extremely high. But He's there to help in that search. Now, if you're struggling this morning with the reliability of the New Testament records about Jesus, about what He said and what He taught, you know what? You're not the first person to have that struggle. You're looking at a guy that had that struggle many, many years ago. I had that struggle. So I did some searching, and, uh, and, I, was, and I asked God to keep helping me all through that search. And a- after that search, I became far more solidified and certain in my faith than I had ever been before because it was no longer a faith that I had inherited. It was now a faith that I owned. I struggled through. The Lord can help you in that struggle. He wants to. He understands it. Now, there are some resources, if that's where you are, that can help you with these questions. Just for starters, these are just starters. They're on the screen. The Case for the Real Jesus by Lee Strobel. That'd be an excellent starting place. Uh, Or if you have a friend that's asking these questions, that'd be a great gift or book to give to them. Uh, another one is uh, Cold Case Christianity by J. Warner Wallace. Incidentally, J. Warner Wallace will be with us on Sunday, September 21st, morning and afternoon, um, to talk about these kinds of things. And then uh, there's a website, uh, J. Warner Wallace's website. It's called pleaseconvincemecom And it's got good resources there to help in answering some of those kinds of questions. But the stakes are really high. And I don't think any human being can deny the desire that there's a desire deep inside the heart for a level 10 certainty in this life about the things that are really important. God put that there. 
And he wants to satisfy that in your life by bringing, by showing you who Jesus Christ is. Now, I want to close. To a crowd of people in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, uh, if you want to read along, I think they're on the screen. Uh, Jesus invited um, the crowd that was there that day. He invited them to come to him just as they were. And he said, if you come to me and walk, well, let me read, let me read it. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He wasn't talking about a good night's sleep, <laughs> although that's good too. He was talking about a rest he was talking about level 10 peace that gets rid of that anxiety that I, have, I don't have anything solid to hang on to. He's talking about the rest, of the rest to the soul. And then in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Letting, using a farmer language of the day, putting a yoke on an oxen. Uh, well, Jesus says, hey, let, take my yoke upon you. Let me direct your steps. And then he says, learn from me. He'll, he'll be our teacher. He'll learn. He'll, he'll, he'll teach us. He'll show us answers to our questions. Um, and then he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. He's not one of those guys back there, you know, the farmers that are mean to the ox out there and whip it and all that kind of stuff. He's a gentle, he's gentle to the person that's in that yoke. He cares. He loves. He know, he's sensitive. And he's humble in heart. And if you will trust him, again, this is an invitation to trust, you will find rest for your souls. It's a promise from him. Check it out if you haven't. Um, the action step then is this. Where are you this morning in regard to trusting Jesus? Uh, in the way we've described. Um, if you haven't trusted him in that way, you can do that. You, know, you can do that now. You can do it here this morning uh, by praying that kind of prayer we were just talking about where you say, Lord, I, I trust you. I don't have the answers to all my questions, but I come to you with my doubts, everything else. I come to you with my pain, my past, my, bro my brokenness, my background my sufferings, my wounds. I just come to you, Lord, and I'm going to obey you. And, and Lord, I, I need you, and I need your forgiveness. Uh, come into my life. You pray that prayer from your heart. The Lord will respond, and he'll begin to reveal himself to you. He will come into your life, and he'll begin to change things in your life from the inside out you will begin to sense, I'm becoming a new person here. Um, if you take that step today, you can take it where you're seated right now. We're going to be reflecting over the next few moments. You can do that during that time. Uh, if, you, when you, if and when you make that uh, decision, share it with somebody else. There's something that just solidifies that. And get a hold of a Bible and start reading it. Uh, and, and like I always say, begin in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible. Start there. If you need a Bible, we have Bibles that are free for you to take. They're at the information desk out there. You can get one after the service today. Uh, find some friends who have already made that commitment to Christ. Connect with them so that you can have some encouragement in your life. 
and some learning to go along with it. And another step I would say uh, is take that step of water baptism where you publicly declare, hey, I've made this commitment to follow Christ. And it'll, that, God's blessing rests upon that step as you take it. So, um, if you're already a follower of Jesus today, then rejoice in the fact that uh, you have a level 10 total trust and certainty at the rock bottom issues of life. Now, that doesn't mean that you can predict the, the next storm that's going to come your way. You cannot predict that. We can't. But I will say this, whatever the, whatever the weather in your life, good or bad, you will know this as you face it, that Jesus Christ is in control. He is in your life. You're going to weather that storm. You're, you're on the rock that cannot be moved. You can have that total assurance today. So let's, let's hang on to that and keep growing in our faith. Stay in God's Word. Get into one of those small groups. You need other Christians circling you. We, we aren't lone rangers in this Christian faith. The Bible has 58 one another passages. And if you're out there trying to slug this Christian life all by yourself in isolation, you're going to get beat up really bad. We need each other here. Um, Keep praying, keep serving, stay engaged, stay involved in, in the things of God and uh, while, while standing upon that rock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we're not left in the dark, searching with no answers. But we have a Christ who came into the world who demonstrated what God is like, left a great written record about it all that's, al- that's alive and powerful the good news, the gospel, the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. I pray today, Lord, that your spirit is speaking to every, every heart in here, to those that are making that decision for the very first time in their life, to those that are recommitting to that decision that they may have made some time ago, and to all of us who are followers of Christ, that we'd stand on the rock no matter what the weather is that's happening in our life right now with peace and trust and rest in our souls and Father, we give you thanks and praise for this this morning, and we, we place our trust in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.